horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, glad you, glad you could join us. Uh, just got a great lesson in audio sciences from a producer, Josh, who went to college for it. Uh, I've been pretty much deaf in my left ear for most of the week, but I had a small procedure yesterday, and all is well with the world. Uh, and uh, I'm hearing myself. I hope you are. Uh, I really appreciate it because without the audience, it's just me and this microphone and this uh, Miller Light, and it's just I, I can do that at home. But anyhow, thanks for joining us here on Winning Ponies. I got two of my favorite guests uh, coming up tonight. Uh, right out of the gate, got Brian Zipsy, uh, of course, Horse Racing Nation, but he ha- has many other uh, irons in the fire, shall we say, putting together horse partnerships and the like. And he still does contribute uh, to Horse Racing Nation, a, a good site, by the way. They they stay busy. I get at least one update a day on stuff that's going on. And uh, Brian was the creator of it, and he's done a great job. Uh, then uh, a, a guy that uh, I knew since he was a wee lad, shall we say, out at the University of Arizona, Pete Aiello who is going to be calling all of those great rate. We've got six, I count them, six graded stakes races at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Uh, It's going to be a full day of action. I do believe it ends with the grade one, $3 million Pegasus World Cup Invitational. So Pete's going to walk us through that. And also, I'm sure he will address these late-breaking stories if you did not hear them. Drum roll, please, Josh. Okay. Uh, first, out of the gate, the biggest story of the day, in my eyes, Omaha Beach was scratched from the Pegasus World Cup. I mean... If this horse didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. So he retires with 10 starts, five wins, four seconds, a third with $1.6 million. Uh, They said he was coming up to this race in good order. Of course, he's trained by Richard Mandela, Hall of Fame trainer. And um, so uh, Rick Porter's horse, what they said was X-rays detected the start of a cannon bone fracture in his rear right ankle. And so that son of Warfront was scratched from the $3 million race. Uh, boy, it's really, it's changed things. And this story isn't over. Just keep listening, folks. Uh, he was going to be retired anyhow and go to Spendthrift Farm. He's such a gorgeous horse. I'm driving over for that for sure. Um, but uh, they say it really changed uh, just today. Um, that uh, I believe he had gone out and taken a, a gallop this morning. And uh, so when he came back, uh, they just thought that uh, he wasn't going right. We better get some x-rays. And, uh, you know, they, they, they went ahead and did it. Uh, they, they went to the mount, had Dr. Bramlage look at it. 
And uh, once the x-rays were read, there was no talk of running. And uh, so uh, tears uh, for Richard Mandela, Mike Smith, Rick Porter. Uh, you know, the, let's face it, uh, just like they said, you know, it's a shame we never got to see him at his best. Uh, he and Songbird were the two best horses Mandela ever had, and he's been fortunate to have some awfully good ones. Um, so it was uh, would have been his final race. Uh, they said the track vet came by around noon, looked at the horse, and saw a slight swelling in the ankle. So uh, they called Mandela over, and uh, as soon as they they could get x-rays they did and they just knew that that was going to take it there's no way they were going to take a chance even though it was the start of an injury they weren't going to let this race uh, uh, do anything that would uh, hurt his uh, future as a stallion when he's going to Spendthrift Farm he's only going to be standing for $40,000 but you know he never really got to show uh, his greatness. I mean, uh, he he w- was a maiden until uh, February of last year uh, at Santa Anita on a sloppy track, only going seven furlongs. Then he comes out. Mike Smith uh, takes over at the reins, wins the Rebel Stakes, comes back, wins the Arkansas Derby. Everybody's so impressed. He's going to be the favorite for the Derby. Nope. Some injury setbacks then. That's the way he does it. He goes from April to October uh, to make his next start at Santa Anita. Uh, it was the sprint championship going six furlongs. Mikey got him up by a head. Uh, then he went uh, in the big one, the Breeders' Cup dirt mile, and just could not catch. Spun to run that day. Put in a great start. Came back, won the Malibu. I was really looking forward to him. Uh, he, he'd only run at the mile and an eighth distance one time, and he did win that race. But Omaha Beach is out of the big one on Saturday. Now, story's not over. It looks like a skin rash has knocked out his biggest competitor. Spun to run would have probably inherited favoritism in this race, but because of the skin rash, he's out. They say that ever since he shipped to the Palm Meadows Training Center uh, and started pointing towards this race, uh, he had been battling uh, a skin disease. There were ups and downs with treatments. It got better, then it got a little worse. Uh, but then it was just uh, two days ago uh, when Juan Carlos Guerrero. Uh, said that he was doing great and then all of a sudden uh, this morning got a different call Spun to Run's condition had worsened to the point where he said he could not race Spun to Run in the Pegasus and would have to scratch the big ass fans Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile winner so extremely disappointing obviously not career uh, ending uh, but uh Wow, with him out of the race, this is going to open the door wide open, and we're going to get uh, both Brian Zipsy's and Pete Aiello's uh, spin on this uh, uh, in in just a few minutes. Now, the other headline grabber of the day, how about this? Ahmed Zayat is being sued for $23 million and his stable is placed in receivership. So uh, he, he got so broke and owed so many people money, he was selling shares in Triple Crown winner American Pharaoh that were being used as collateral against the loans and that he de- 
defaulted on his loans in September. And uh, right now, this uh, MGG Corporation, they're an investment group. They're looking at $23 million from Zayat. Um, now, in a letter to the lawsuit, he said, I've pushed myself to the brinks of bankruptcy personally by using every dollar I have in America to fund the company. We'll start going up on the chat rooms and everything. People say, yeah, that's the money he's got in America. But what's he got hit offshore? What might he have in Egypt? And also, you may recall, he was known as quite the better, but unbelievable. So basically... There's going to continue out with his horses. I believe as the lawsuit reads, uh, they're, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden you know, take every horse away or whatever. And I do believe that they're going to be paid out uh, of the, the lawsuit. What could continue also knows. But they say that he sold nine season without telling the firm. And he hid $3.3 million in those proceeds rather than helping to pay off the loan that he got. So um, – it looks like the horses will be fed and cared for. There are rumors that he reached out uh, to uh, Fasic Tipton, and there could be a sale. All I could say is right now uh, there's rumors, rumors, and more rumors about what could happen. But just unbelievable. I mean, I've met him and his son, very outgoing, very happy. Of course, I would be too leading up to the Kentucky Derby with that horse in my barn. Uh, but nonetheless, uh Oh, it sure isn't the end of this story. So uh, there are monies owed. Okay, well, let's hit on one other breeding story. Empire Maker died at 20 years old. He'd been battling a rare disease that c- compromised his immune system. <clears throat> and he was just reestablishing himself in North America uh, when he came back. And uh, he was, uh, you know, owned and bred, raised by Judmont Farm. Um, Empire Maker began his career uh, throwing uh, Bodemeister, Royal Delta, Pioneer, the Nile, among 33 graded or group stakes winners. So, uh, but he's 20 years old. I'm sure he, he led, led a good life. Um, he, he did go overseas and uh, stood in um, Japan. But they decided to go back and get them. They usually put something in the contracts now that lets you get your stallions back. Well, the old one-eyed patch, remember him when he was on the Derby Trail? He's going to be available for viewing because he's going to be retiring to Old Friends Farm. I spoke to Michael Blowen this week, and I'll probably uh, maybe have him on the show next week. He's uh, down in Florida. They're uh, having a special award at the Eclipse Awards for old friends, which uh, Michael is really enthused about. Uh, Let's take a look at some of the races we we looked at last week. But before we do that, one race we won't be getting to because we're just going to stick with Gulfstream Park is a race that starts the Derby Trail at Oaklawn Park. Uh, This will be uh, tomorrow. Uh, $150,000, the Smarty Jones, and the winner of the Kentucky Jockey Club, Silver Prospector, trained by Steve Asmussen, ridden by Ricardo Santana Jr., is sent away the favorite. Of course, that race has a a very important stature amongst the uh, baby races in America, so also had some derby points in there, the Jockey Club winner, Silver Prospector, but working solid, no, no bullets, but 
I don't think it needs to be, and that is a one-mile race. Uh, it's a field of nine that will be go to post. I think the horse you probably got to look out for is another Steve Asmussen trainer, Tyler Gaffleono, riding for the first time on Shop Lifted, a son of Into Mischief. All right, before we get on to Brian Zipsy, let me just hit the big races uh, that we uh, handicapped last week with uh, Eric Wing. Of course, at the fairgrounds, a derby race, 10 4 2 1 points. Uh, the winner in here was Enforceable. Uh, who was 15 to one hard to believe for a son of Tappet trained by Mark Cassie owned by John Oxley. I don't know what this horse would have cost. It didn't go through a public sale, but uh, one to watch on your derby list is enforceable who, who was uh, very, very impressive. Uh, second was uh, silver state and third was Mr. Monami Monami's half brother let's go to then louisiana we said this was going to be a good one and it was odds on silver dust gets the job done with jack gilligan who's been a guest on this show before such a consistent horse that was his six lifetime victory in 25 starts uh going over the the seven hundred thousand dollar mark uh second was blended citizen at aqueduct it was the toboggan hope you got a chance to watch this one if not go back three noses separate them at the finish and what a ride by Johnny V on mind control. He gets up that nose over Nicodemus and right with him was Sunny Ridge. And then the Sunshine Millions, there were a lot of races on the card. We looked at the classic and the winner was Noble Drama. Got up by a head, was last at the half mile pole and took the win. Uh, and second was the favorite Red Crescent. All right, that's a look at the national news the big races we handicap. And when we come back, we want to get Brian Zipsy's read on all that's happened in the last 24 hours in thoroughbred racing. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to winning ponies. Streaming live the leader in internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 
1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. And with me, Brian Zipsy. Uh, he's been a regular. He's been nice enough to come on with me as often as he does. As you know, he was one of the founders of the exceptional website, Horse Racing Nation. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Gulfstream Park races on, Gul- on uh, Pegasus Day. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, I've, I've, I've been stunned over the news that's come out over the last 24 before we get on to uh, the news about the races. Uh, big shocker with uh, the, the, the Zayat situation and Ahmed Zayat supposedly being broke or bankrupt and owes $23 million. And meanwhile, they're putting a lockdown on all of his horses in training and probably what business he has to do with American Pharaoh. A lot more is ready to come out. <laughs> but do you know it more than I do? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I can't say that I do, John. I, I can't speak uh, too much on the situation. I'm uh, reading it and hearing it as, as you are. It's a shame, uh, uh, Ahmed and uh, you know the Zayat, Justin Zayat, Zayat Stables have been a uh, real force in racing uh, uh, for for years. I had the opportunity uh, to meet both of them several times. Always. Uh, uh, good guys to be around. Um, yeah. Yeah. Seems like there's some real uh, financial troubles there, including uh, some loans that uh, uh, were not being uh, were not being handled well, to say the least. And uh, not good for racing because, uh, you know, of course, they own the first Triple Crown winner in 37 years. And uh, they, they have uh, they've always supported racing here in America in a big way. So, uh We'll see what happens. We'll see how it unfolds, but uh, sure doesn't sound good. No, it it, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, that's all we need is another black eye. You can bet we haven't had any national news since they accused Justify of uh, smoking Jimson weed before the Derby. And uh, glad all that got cleared up. Uh, and, you know, we're recovering from that. And then, you know, uh, the, the breakdown of Mongolian Groom. And I won't even want to go as far back as what happened at Santa Anita earlier in the year. And now this pops up. So, um, any, any chance the media gets to glom on something that's negative about racing, they seem more than happy to do it. We'll leave this in the past. There's a lot more to read. I can tell you that. Then the and, late and, great- and one one thing I wanted to add to that to that list, uh, John, if I may, uh, justify they said he did not inhale. <laughs> he did not have smoke with that Jimson weed. <laughs> there you go. There's always a positive spin, right? There you go. There you go. Um, But then we get the news uh, that, you know, not only is Spun to run, that was the first one to come out because I was thinking, you know, he was legitimate upset horse, I thought, against Omaha Beach, who, you know, always has had chinks in his armor, but he gets knocked out with what I understand is a pretty serious skin rash. So Spun to runs out of the Pegasus. And shortly after that, we find out after a gallop today of a mile and a quarter, um, after he cooled out fine, it was uh, detected and uh, x rays show that he had uh, danger in the cannabone area. And for a horse that, 
after this starts going to stud, you're not going to take a chance. But boy, how that changes uh, the complexion of this race um, it is just unbelievable because the top two contenders are out. Um, I, I guess you've got the scratches through your past performances. I, I, I'm sure there's all a lot of, of people in there that, that the, you know, the field now is uh, reduced to 10, I believe. And that uh, I'm sure the camps of, I'll say, mucho gusto, higher power and uh, true timber a horse, I think is being overlooked uh, are not happy about anything that happens to anybody else's horse. But all of a sudden it's like, wow, their chances of cashing in on $3 million got a lot better. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, we are talking about still a $3 million race. You know, they had the, the, the big purse decrease uh, not that long ago, but $3 million, it's still one of America's richest races. And now uh, with, uh, you know, Omaha Beach, it's it's we were only going to see him one more time, which was uh, Saturday. Uh, it came one race early, unfortunately, but fortunately they, they, they found out about the uh, – the issue before he went out on the track and something uh, worse possibly could have happened. So, so that's a good thing. Spunder run is, uh, scheduled to race again. Uh, he, he's, uh, not going to be retired. So we'll see him again soon. That's just a minor, uh, hives skin rash, as you called it. So, so he'll be back soon, but yeah, $3 million race wide open. And there's not really one big headliner among the bunch. Mucho gusto, uh, inherits favoritism on the morning line. Now, I guess he was the nine to two third choice, but, uh, speaking of chinks in the armor, I, I think there are certainly chinks in the armor, uh, for this horse, you know, he's, he's run some good races, uh, last year as a three-year-old, but, uh, I, I'm not, uh, really, uh, thinking that he is, he, he's anything but unbeatable. Let's say that in, in this race. So really a wide open race and it opens it up maybe as a better betting affair. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you, you know, uh, the, the reason I alluded to True Timber, I mean, uh, he went all of last year without winning a race, but uh, I, I look at the company he kept, uh, uh, particularly his last two races, and he hit the board behind maximum security. So uh, there's there's not, nothing wrong with that at all. Joe Braffo will be back in the saddle there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he's got a ways to go, but still, even with the record that he had last year, he's amassed close to a million dollars, uh, during his career, but has never won at this distance has never won a golf stream. I'm going to have Pete Aiello on after you, and, um, I'm going to ask him about, you know, how the track's playing and, you know, I, I just, I love horses for courses and horses that, you know, seem to relish at a certain track and are comfortable, but there aren't that many, uh, horses at, uh, that love Gulfstream Park, other than Diamond Oops or Ops, who I don't think's got a shot, uh, because this horse—I don't know if he could get a mile and an eighth in a Sally van. Yeah, and, and you know, John, I, I'm going to disagree with you there because I'm on the horse for course. I think Diamond Oops is, has been an underrated uh, horse. If, in fact, if you look at his past performances, he's kept really good company, whether it be sprinting or even on the turf. Uh, he certainly likes Gulfstream Park. He's won there a bunch. He's coming off a really nice seven furlong win where he, uh, he was rolling down the lane. And, uh, Gulfstream Park, I think nine furlongs at Gulfstream Park is different than some 
where uh, horses that might be a little bit distance challenged can can go that nine furlongs at Gulfstream Park. It seems to be uh, every year that type of track. I think Diamond Oops, you know, with the uh, the big scratch and then the second favorite scratched as well. I like Diamond Oops to tell you the truth as much as anybody in here. And if you again, if you look, he's run a lot of good races against a lot of good horses. Nine furlongs is the question, but you know he likes the track, and you see all those past performances for Diamond Oops where he's. Six to one, ten to one, fifteen to one, twenty-five to one, and he's running well. And, and I think I think you're going to have a case even with the scratches where he's going to be double digits. Uh, I certainly think he's worth a long look. Sorry to disagree with you on this one, but no, that's good. Hey, I, this is why I have you on because I'm not the, <laughs> the know-all and tell-all here, brother. I'm just pointing out something that just jumped off the page. I was looking at I, the first thing I saw was his record at Gulfstream, and then I said, "Well, let's look at this horse deeper." And I said, "My God, he's never won beyond seven furlongs." You know, we're asking yeah. him to go violent in the eighth. Yeah. Um, now it, it, the Keeneland race, so the Keeneland race, which was on the grass, he's he's just a very versatile horse. But the Keeneland race was on the grass, and uh, that's two turns at Keeneland. It was a mile. It was the uh, the race in the fall, the Grade One Shadwell Mile, and yeah. uh, he was right there. I mean, he he battled the whole way, and uh, I guess he got beat about a half a length. But uh, one mile, two turns at Keeneland. Uh, if he can if he can run that well there. At that distance, I think this is within his scope on a track he obviously likes. Okay, well, let's. Uh, I'm, I'm going <clears> to <throat> throw one more horse here. We alluded to Mucho Gusto. Uh, how about how about higher pri- uh, ugh, higher power from the Sadler Barn? Uh, this horse has turned five now, and uh, it looks like after he changed barns that Sadler put the blinkers back on him and he's had a lot of success or near success, uh, ever since. I mean, uh, finishing third to horses like Mongolian groom and Vino Rosso is, uh, and McKenzie is certainly no embarrassment. Yeah. Higher power, John. I think I, if I was setting the morning line, this new morning line with the scratches down to a 10 horse race, if it was up to me, higher power would be the morning line favorite now. I think he's the most likely horse to run a good race here. Uh, I like him a little bit better than Mucho Gusto. I think he's kept slightly better company than Mucho Gusto. We know he likes the distance. There is still speed in here, uh, especially to the outside, even with some scratches. So uh, he should get a pace uh, scenario that he likes. And, uh, you know, Sadler uh, was upset in this race last year. I think uh, I think higher power certainly rates uh, a big shot in here. Third in the Breeders' Cup Classic last time. Big winner of the Pacific Classic. The thing about him is he certainly improved out in California. So you've got to wonder, is he going to bring that uh, that uh, form that he's been running in Southern California uh, out uh, back east to Florida. If he did, if he does, uh, I think he might be the most likely winner in the race. Well, I'm, I'm shuffling my papers around here, and it looks like I missed the race just before it. I'm guessing you have it because that's the second big one on the card. Oh yeah, the Pegasus Turf is. Uh, uh, I think it's an excellent race, and, and, and you look at the Pegasus Turf with uh, a dozen horses, no scratches, thankfully. Uh, but a dozen horses, and literally, you could make a pretty good case for all 12 horses. You are going to have some favorites, and you are going to have some long shots in here. But I tell you what, 
if uh, if you like to take a chance and, and get some uh, real odds to play with, I think the Pegasus Turf is a wonderful betting race. Well, give me maybe your top three in there. All right. Well, I'm going to go because of everything I just said, where this is a wide open race and, and, and it, it's a race that could really pay. I'm going to start with a bomb. He's 30 to one on the morning line. It's, it, it's a mission office at mission office is a horse who's been running just a tiny bit shorter. This is kind of a tweener distance. It's a mile and a three sixteenths on the grass. So you have horses that kind of go the middle distance. And then you got horses who are used to running those 12 furlong turf races. So it's kind of a tweener distance. Admission, admission office is more of a mile 16th, mile and an eighth, eighth horse so far in his career. He's still pretty lightly raced, but he's, he's run a lot of races against good graded stakes company where he's, he's just missing. He's get, he's having a little trouble here and there. He's come flying on the outside. I think this distance might be a very good distance for him. And I think the company he's been keeping is probably a little bit better than it even looks on paper. I know this horse pretty well, what he did last year. And uh, I think this is a good spot. His last race, he just missed instilled regard, one of the Chad Brown horses in here that I think will get that. And, uh, you know, he's got to worry about the mile and a half horses coming late too. But uh, mile three sixteenths, I think he might uh, be up to a really big, uh, performance and he's thirty to one on the morning line. So wow. I'm throw him in. Yeah, thirty to one on the morning line, and I and I think that I, I think that could hold true. I'm, I'm not sure. His form looks a little bit too good to me to be thirty to one. But like I said, there's twelve horses to bet, literally. So uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see him run a good race. My uh, my partner on Horse Center, he, he was on another thirty to one shot named Next Shares, who's. Uh, I've run some big races over the years, but it's always been a little bit in and out. But he's supposed to be doing really well for Richard Baltus right now, who's hasn't trained him all that long. Uh, the favorites, you know, Magic Wand is is a super uh, consistent mare from Europe who's just yeah. run good races in every corner of the globe, literally. I mean, she ran well in Hong Kong, Australia, uh, America, several times over, of course, in Europe. Uh, Dubai. So she, she, she's, I've never seen a horse who racked up as many frequent flyer miles as she did last year. And she usually ran well. Uh, so she's the class of the race and, and, and she certainly could win, but she's coming out of the 12 hole and she hasn't won a lot. That's one knock against her. Uh, she runs a lot of good races and finishes second or third, but she doesn't have a lot of wins. Uh, without parole, the son of Frankel uh, is a uh, newer one to the Chad Brown Barn, uh, one race in America was good. Rallied for third in the Breeders' Cup Mile. Arklow is always tough, and Mo Forza might be the heir apparent in the American uh, male turf division because he's on a real roll. But it's all been in California. He's won four in a row after breaking his maiden. He's won three straight graded stakes out in California. So. It, we'll see how good he is uh, on Saturday, and he's also stretching out a little bit to a mile three sixteen. So there's some questions to answer for him, but he he looks like a real up and coming turf horse. But if if you if you ask me for one, I'm going to give you admission office at thirty to one. Wow, I love it. Well, Brian Zipsy, my producer's telling me I got to get out of here. I greatly appreciate you coming on as always, and uh, I hope you have a lot of fun watching these races over the weekend. 
always, John. I always uh, enjoy coming on the show, and I will be watching the Pegasus, uh, betting a few dollars, and, and enjoying it as I always do. All right. Brian Zipsy has been with us. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk to that mellow fellow behind the mic, the one, the only, Pete Aiello. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, a, uh, a good friend. I guess I can call him a former co-worker and uh, a guy who I think the whole world of racing uh, respects for the talent they get to see from this guy. None other than Pete Aiello, the man that will be the voice of all these big Pegasus races on Saturday Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. Always good to catch up and talk to you and all the Winning Ponies listeners. Well, Pete, you know, uh, uh, last week, both you and I were mentioned in an article in the Blood Horse for uh, our connection to a guy that I know we both hold uh, near and dear to our hearts and uh, our both very happy to see about his return to his success behind the microphone, uh, and that is Jason Beam. That was a great story penned by Brian uh, King. It sure was, and it's very well deserved. I mean, I think that uh, you know, without going too overboard, I think we all deserve a second run at it, so to speak. And uh, 
I was happy to help Jason get back in the position that he's in. And I know that, uh, you know, everyone else on, on the Twitter world loves, uh, loves him for the Beamy Awards, but uh, we love him as not only a colleague, but a great guy. No, it, it was great. I, you know, it, it's a comeback story of sorts without getting maudlin, and I'm not going to go into detail. But just correct me on my timeline because, you know, I was in that press box uh, at, in Cincinnati for 30 years, and I've seen a couple guys come and go. Uh, of course, uh, uh, my uh, the, the ones I kind of had something to do with them getting their foot in the door were uh, Jason, who I know you recommended, and uh, – now, you followed Jason, right? Or am I getting that mixed up? No, you're 100% right. He reached out to me on MySpace when that was still a thing. And I was <laughs> at the time working in the racing office as the race, assistant racing secretary at Prairie Meadows. And uh, I actually, when Jason reached out to me, I said, no, I have to be loyal to Prairie Meadows. You know, they were, they were the first guys to, quote, sign me out of college. And uh, I'm going to work the season. And then about maybe 20, 24, 36 hours later, Luke Kreitboss called me and said, I heard you told Jason no, and that's a conversation I won't ever forget. And he, uh, he, I wouldn't say convinced me as much as told me that, uh, I needed to, uh, I needed to seize the opportunity. And I'm so glad that I did. And I also will never, as long as I live, forget that after the first race, I called it River Downs French Pistol One for Kathy Jarvis. And the door opened, and it was John Engelhart with some cheese conies from Skyline officially welcoming me to the team and to Cincinnati. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I'm glad it happened. Uh, and I remember my first meeting with you out at the University of Arizona. You were hilarious, and you were one of the ones that got to judge on the promotions of the year or the commercials uh, for the year. And I know you were part of the moving force uh, behind getting Little Old River Downs voted into third internationally as the best TV commercial on Thoroughbred Racing. I remember that very well. The advertisements were a uh, take on the old 900 lines. And uh, I always thought that was hugely innovative and, you know, you never knew it, but I was, uh, I want to remember going to River Downs when I was 14 years old and watching the regular guy and thinking what an amazingly great concept that was. And, uh, I only wish, and I do mean this sincerely, I wish that we still had those John Engelhart, uh, I don't know what they were, animations of some sort, but uh, the knocking on the TV one still gets me. Hey, hey, I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, that was all the mind child and the creativity of Carrie Charlson, who uh, yeah, conceived the idea and then saw it through with you know, his whole video company. They did a great job putting put my lips inside of the guy holding the keg up with the Miller Lite long shot play of the day and things like that. Uh, but those were fun times. For sure, Pete. Absolutely. But it was just so great to see you. You know, I just remember when, when you took that step to Oaklawn Park, I'm thinking, man, Pete's made it. And then I didn't know that you were going to get to another step on the ladder uh, when you when you ended up at, at Hialeah and Gulfstream. And it's just so happy to see guys like you and Jason. And, and, and you know, I guess I'm an old fuddy-duddy, uh, you know, watch your careers from, you know, 10, 15 years ago and, and where you guys are now. It makes me feel like a, a, a proud old uh, uncle. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, it's one of those things I tell people all the time. I just told our new human resources director this story on Wednesday. I never really aspired to work at Goldstream Park because, honestly, I never really thought it was attainable. 
And I always use the uh, the baseball metaphor that for me, I love the game. I wanted to play the game, but I always saw myself as a triple A ball player that spent my entire career in the minors and loved every minute of it and enjoyed every minute of it. And, you know, the reality of the situation is working for the Stronic Group and being at Gulfstream and getting to be part of something as special as the Pegasus. I mean, you know, I'm playing for a major league ball club, but I'm not playing for, you know, the team that loses 120 games a year either. I'm playing for, you know, whatever team you want to use, the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, whatever you like. But, uh, you know, that's completely surreal as being a Florida bred. You know, that's the other crazy thing about it. I circumnavigated the continent and then ended up where I started. <laughs> that is great. That is great. And I, and I think one of the reasons people only have to meet you once, especially if they're, they're, they're looking to talk to you about coming to their association, is the thing you just said. You embrace the sport. You have a high energy. You haven't lost it. And I, I think people sense that when they talk to you, Pete. And I'm sure even just, you know, Joe Sixpack, who you meet in the grandstand when they find out who you, who you are enjoy striking up conversation and i'm sure that your you know positive uh, you know uh, view of racing and them coming to Gulfstream uh just comes out so easy people like you a lot pete well i love interacting with the fans because you know what john i am a fan that's always been my perspective i wasn't born into the business other than being by a fan who was you know, a fan by his grand, you know his father's standards so i guess i'm a third generation fan but my perspective can never be from the backside because I was never part of that community. And my fan, my fandom was the way I got interested in the business. And that's always going to be where I come from. Well, and it's great too, to see how you're, and you know, I listened hard when you were first at the river, how your calls have evolved. Um, you, you were, sometimes you were trying to get uh, 10 pounds in a five pound sack because you wanted to be informative. And I think now uh, you're more of a, a landscape painter. You, you kind of take a step back. You still keep the brilliant colors and the vibrancy going, but you can tell when you're near the end of the painting. Uh, I was watching a race uh, last week uh, from Gulfstream and uh, uh, turned for home. You know, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, man, you know, Everybody in this race has has a, has a shot. I, it might have been the, the Sunshine Millions Classic, and that's exactly what came out of your mind. You're like, well, you, something like, who do you like from here? It's anybody's race, and it absolutely was. You know, the speed wasn't dropping an anchor, but you could see the horses from behind starting to catch up, and you, all of a sudden you brought the fans' attention to the fact that, hey, folks, we got a horse race here. You know what's funny, and I would be remiss being on your podcast if I didn't mention this, is it's absolutely mind-boggling to me that some of the things that I did when I was in Cincinnati, I'd say the third and specifically the fourth season, when I really got comfortable up there, and it would be, you know, your lazy July summers, and we'd be having five-horse fields that were strung out over three-eighths of a mile, you know, you, you try things, and you try different phrases, and you try different enunciations and things like that. And I'll tell you, you know, at least on social media, uh, everyone likes to call me Pete Easy Money ILO now. And I don't know how many people know this, or if you weren't in Cincinnati, but that's where Easy Money started, where, you know, it was exactly the same scenario that I try to use it now at Gulfstream, which is, you know, a big favorites in front by 20, and you're pretty much out of things to say. And... <laughs> I remember doing that because I was reaching back in my bag of tricks, 
you know, over the summertime at Gulfstream and somebody on Twitter said, Oh, I like that call. And I said, Oh, they like it. I'm going to do it again. And I did it again the week later. And then I got five people saying it. And then all of a sudden people were waiting for me to say it. It was just so funny because that was not something that I invented at Gulfstream. That was something that I had at River Downs that I put on the shelf for five or six years and then brought off only to get bigger fanfare at Gulfstream than it did at River Downs. Oh, that's fantastic. That's the first time I ever heard about that one, Pete. Well, uh, first of all, set set the stage for us, because I'm not aware before we start looking at the races and some of the things that happened in the last 24 hours. um, How is the weather looking? How's the track looking? Things like that. Well, right now, uh, I'm in Miami Lakes, Florida, which is probably 10 miles uh, southwest of Gulfstream, and it's currently raining. It's not raining hard, uh, but it is raining, and we got some rain at Gulfstream here today. So our turf course really dries really well, and our main track dries really well, and they're not calling for a ton of moisture the next couple of days. So I don't really expect any radical changes in the in the track condition department, but uh, I think that um, – I think that with the two scratches, though, the Pegasus World Cup dirt certainly has a completely different complexion to it. Well, that that's what I alluded to about the information in the last 24 hours. Uh, with Spun to Run and Omaha Beach out, uh, you can imagine the eyebrows that were raised by the other owners and trainers going, wow, we just got a much bigger shot at getting our chunk of $3 million. Well, I got to say, I think the person who should have been the happiest, I'm not sure if he was because he's a pretty soft-spoken, low-key guy, but the guy who should have been the happiest about the two scratches is Gustavo Delgado because not only does, and he trains Bodie Express, by the way, not only does he not have to deal with spun to run from a pace standpoint and not have to worry about Omaha Beach running him down, he also gets to move over two spots from the 12 post to a more manageable spot in the 10 hole. So he wins on all levels. Well, 30 to 1 in the morning line. I mean, with a shakeup in here, um, it's really hard to come up with a solid favorite. Now, uh, I, you, you may have heard the tail end of Brian Zipsy's uh, picks in here. He likes a horse I don't like. Now, I love the fact that there's nobody in here that's in love with Gulfstream Park other than Diamond Oops. But do you think he could get a mile and an eighth, Pete? Uh, well, I know that um, Patrick Biancone's daughter, Andy Biancone, this is like her uh, her baby, and she spends pretty much all her time with them. And Patrick himself is a very conservative guy. So, honestly, I don't think that they would be in there if at least they didn't think that he could go long. Obviously, he's never done it. I've never seen him do it. So, to me, he's a closing sprinter at this stage. But if somebody liked Diamond Oops and their only concern was that they don't know if he can go this far, I wouldn't talk you off of him by any stretch of the imagination because the connections don't need any introduction to their resume. They know how to win races on a global scale. Well, uh, looking at this race now, Pete, and the way it shapes up, um, you know, Bodie Express, uh, it, it does look like even from the 10 hole, he's got a good shot at grabbing the lead. Uh, Mucho Gusto shouldn't be too far behind. Uh, there's a couple others that will uh, attend the pace, uh, but uh, there's a lot of like mid pace closers in here. Who draws your attention now that the two big horses are out? Well, it's tough for me to figure out. You know, I, I know for a fact that the tactics on Bodie Express, especially from the 10 post, Jaramillo is going to send him away running and used to try to do that killer crossover move where he gets over from the outside to the rail. Now, if I was a handicapper, what I want to know is who gets the two-hole trip on his flank? 
And if you can figure that out, you're going to probably figure out the winner of the race because one of two things is going to happen. Either somebody's going to try to run with Bodie Express, and that's going to kill both of them, or the horse that's going to track Bodie Express is going to get first run and be classy enough to kick on with it. So I, for me, if I looked at the race, I want to know who's going to be second or third, and those are going to be my key horses. Well, certainly uh, Mucho Gusto has those uh, credentials. Uh, higher power likes to come from a bit more off the pace, but boy, John Sadler's done a great job with that horse since he threw blinkers on him after a stable change. Yeah, and I know one thing about him. He, uh, he has the uh, Accelerate color, so <laughs> hopefully they bring a brighter set of those because last year when Accelerate ran into the Pegasus between the mud and the time of day, uh, he looked pretty invisible to me with the uh, main track the way it is at Coldstream being dark. So uh, hopefully I can spot those dark green colors of higher power. I know that. Well, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, like you said, the turf course dries up pretty good. And that gives us uh, the other million dollar race on the card. And that's the Pegasus World Cup uh, Turf Invitational. And uh, I'll tell you, if there's a more wide open race on the card, I'm not sure which one it is. Well, the McKnight's pretty wide open, but your point is very well taken. This is a very good field with a lot of different options. I can tell you this. For my money, shipping all the way from uh, Australia, where she ran last time, and drawing the 12th post as the morning line favorite, anyone who wants Magic Wand, maybe you can send me an email. I might be in the market of booking some action, because that's really just not the type of horse that I can see winning this race. Well, who can you see winning this race? Well, I mean, he has enough on the by way of paper to substantiate that he has a chance, but I'm also just a giant fan of his because he comes out and brings his yay game to the table every time. I'm an Arklow fan, John, and I like the post draw here. He's you know, he's not stuck down in there, but he's going to be able to uh, tuck in. And the, as I used to say it in the race calls these days, the tip and roll trip on the turf at Gulfstream usually works. And if he can just sit down in there and then uh, Florent Giroux can kick him through the three or four path off the top of the turn, then we can have a, have a horse race. Well, I, I, I know you're not much of a drinker, but if they win, you can bet that uh, Donnie Gall Racing will be tipping a few after that one. Well, it, it's such a solid undercard. Uh, Pete, are, are there any of the other races? You talked about the McKnight being wide open, and Lord knows I need all the help I can get. So on a race that you consider wide open, uh, where would you go in the McKnight, which is the 10th race on the card? Um, to be honest with you, I haven't looked at it in enough detail to say with people listening that are going to bet their dollars where to actually go. I just know that when I looked at the overnight, I said, wow, I don't see a single standout in this race. And, um, you know, three turns on turf at Goldstream. The one thing I will say about it, unless the turf course gets extremely saturated, it's kind of counterintuitive, but the farther they go on the Goldstream turf, the better speed carries. So if you're, if you're looking at the McKnight being that's a three-turn contest, you don't want somebody from a mile back. And the only horseshoe that I, in recent memory that I can think of that had any success from a mile back in the McKnight is Sadler's Joy, and he's in the Pegasus turf anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll just mention uh, the, the other uh, races. I'm not sure my producer will tell me when to get the heck out of here, but uh, we've got the inside information stakes. And uh, that's seven furlongs, grade two, 200,000. And then uh, we've got the uh, uh, La Prevoyante. 
pay, if I'm saying that correctly. That's a mile and a half on the green. And then uh, the Fred Hooper, very popular Florida guy, uh, that's going a flat mile uh, as the seventh race at grade three, 150,000. Were there uh, any of those races that uh, you found something interesting in? Well, the Hooper is always a good race. It's uh, it's kind of, uh, it hits me right between the eyes. Those are the kind of horses that I like when, you know, when they go out there and lay, lay their cards down every time, and maybe they're not the grade one caliber of the Pegasus. I think the Hooper is almost like a consolation for the Pegasus, either horses that maybe don't make the cut but uh, or can't go two turns in a mile and an eighth because they get the one-turn mile in there. Well, uh, in that race, we've even got our friend Frankie DeTore coming in to ride for Dale Romans. <laughs> I got a feeling that's, yeah, that's a first. <laughs> I look at my jockey tr- trainer's that's a, stats. That's a strange jockey booking. I just know that Frankie loves coming down here. I don't think he's – actually, I know he hasn't missed a Pegasus yet, so it'll be good to have him with us. I don't know how well you know him, but he's a super good guy. And you want to talk about fun to be around, he's the definition of that. Uh, no, he tried to beat me up one time in, uh, in Louisville. So I won't go that, I won't go down that road with my experiences with Frankie, uh, long story. Uh, but, uh, it's good. It's going to be a very interesting race. I guess I, I, I love the mile races. Uh, they're super. Well, you know, I remember calling you years ago when this day was coming up and, uh, asking you what it was going to be like to, to, to call the world cup. And, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, and just feeling you out. It was your first time there. Hell man, you don't even have to worry anymore. This stuff, it, it never gets easy, but, but I feel that you've got a confidence level. That's a really, uh, uh, locked into gear right now. And you're ready to take any of these on. Well, that being said, there is a little bit of a different dynamic to the, to the races this year. And, uh, you know, it is what it is, and, and NBC has uh, brought Larry Colmus down to call the uh, both the Pegasus races this year, and I had been calling the Pegasus races for the last three years for NBC and for the track, so Larry will be two doors down, and even though we're friends, I think there's a certain competition element to it where, you know, the years past I approached it as don't mess up, and uh, maybe to your point, now I'm not so much worried about messing up as much as don't I don't want to be embarrassed as far as the comparative race calls. You know, it's not not a competition, but it is kind of a friendly, you know, I did my best and you did your best and hopefully everybody likes both of our calls. And so there's, there's a little different wrinkle there. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be uh, listening at an OTB parlor where I'm getting your call. So that's, that's the only one I'll know about Pete. That's for sure. Hey, thanks for taking the time out. Hey, do me a favor, go back and get in shape, play some badminton, will you? I'm headed that way. It's going to be intense. I'm just glad that TVG hasn't caught on to it and bring out a camera crew. (laughs) You're looking better these days. I watch you on Facebook. Pete, thanks a million for being on. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, John. Good to talk to you. Okay. Uh, Pete Aiello, Brian Zipsy, thanks so much for being on the show. Don't forget, it's such a wide open day. Your bets are going to not affect the pool. So come on over to winningponies.com. Pull down the easy win forms. We've been killing Gulfstream of late. Uh, a couple of $1 Super 5 keys. Look at that element. We've had them pay 2300 and 1700 just in the past week. So easy win forms at winningponies.com. For my producer, Josh, I'm John. Englehart. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over. 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.